Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. Oh my goodness, I am so grateful to have this opportunity to transcend time and space and join with you. Thank you for joining with me. We bless each other. (laughs) And speaking of blessing, let us bless each other. There's a little bit of snow on the ground here in Vermont, which I love. It just brightens things up a little. And I am grateful this Thanksgiving week to pray with you right here, right now. So we take this breath of love and gratitude, place our hands on our hearts, and wholeheartedly declare our willingness to recognize our worth and the worth of every being, the worth of God, the worth of truth. We are willing to recognize our wholeness and our holiness. We're consciously attuning to the high vibration of perfect love and wisdom. We're partnering up with the higher Holy Spirit self, and we are saying yes to inspiration. We are saying yes to this dedication to truth. We are so grateful to surrender the habits of lack, attack, limitation, and separation, and we're allowing ourselves to relinquish the blocks to love so we know and remember the truth every moment of every day. We are so willing. In gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. 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 (laughs) Yes, so the topic this week is about healing our unworthiness. Having worked with so many people as a spiritual counselor now for a couple of decades, I am so keenly aware that everyone has this unworthiness issue. And some people are really good at covering it up. I was really good at covering it up in the sense that I didn't want my own mind to see it. It frightened me so much. And uh, I was someone who was belligerent, aggressive, attacking, complaining. I did so many things to try and cover up or minimize anybody's ability to see how unworthy I was of love. I had such a strong belief in it. But I would never have been able to tell you that. Never. Never. I didn't even recognize it. It's like uh, they they talk about um, the, the, when the Europeans came to the Americas and indigenous people couldn't see the ships, the tall ships, uh, that it had to do with, they had no concept of it, and so they couldn't see them because they didn't have the concept of them. And uh, maybe that's true for us with aliens and things like that. I don't know. Not opening a can of worms there, or a can of alien worms. (laughs) But I had no concept of my unworthiness beliefs. I couldn't recognize them. And I also couldn't recognize my perfection either. I So I settled for better than and less than. I'm better than these people. I'm not as good as these people. Constant separation thinking. And so... What a relief to give that up. Oh, my Lord, what a relief. Because I spent so much of my energy defending myself or protecting against what anybody would be able to see. And so, yeah, very intense, very intense stuff going on there. 
And I'm so glad to be able to surrender that and to relinquish it. It's And to relinquish it to the Holy Spirit for healing. This is what we can do. This is what we have the free will to do. And let's look at some of the things that A Course in Miracles tells us that are helpful. And so I'm going to turn to chapter 25, section 9, paragraph 9. Section 9 is entitled, The Justice of Heaven. And it says in here, Unless you think that all your brothers have an equal right to miracles with you, you will not claim your right to them because you were unjust to one with equal rights. This is such a core concept to A Course in Miracles that we feel unworthy because we deny the worthiness of our brothers and sisters. So this is why I say so often that judgment, condemnation, these patterns of thinking, they are what keep the separation thoughts in place and they are what causes so much suffering. So, unless you think that all your brothers have an equal right to miracles with you, you will not claim your right to them because you were unjust to one with equal rights. Seek to deny and you will feel denied. So this is why I say the judger always feels judged. The attacker always feels attacked. And it is vital for us to get that it's an inside job. It is not coming from the outside. It is coming from the inside. So we seek not to change the world, but to change our mind about ourselves, about ourselves. So let's go a little further here. He, he's, Jesus says, seek to deprive, and you have been deprived. A miracle can never be received because another could receive it not. So if we deny the miracle to someone else, we will not be able to have it ourselves. This is why getting very rigorous with ourselves in our mental, emotional, spiritual practices that we take with us all throughout the day is so life-changing, so deeply transformative. If all we're doing is reading these texts and understanding them to some degree, but not being inspired and motivated to diligently practice them, we are not going to see the results. And then we're going to think, ah, something must be wrong with me. Other people get results. I don't get results. No, nothing is wrong with you. What's wrong, so to speak, is the approach, the method. The method is not effective. So this is why it's so valuable to find people who are using effective methods. He goes on to say, Only forgiveness offers miracles, and pardon must be just to everyone. So in other words, pardon or forgiveness must be just, must be fair to everyone. Only forgiveness offers miracles. This is precisely why in my programs we focus on forgiveness, 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 forgiveness. It is such a clearing. It offers so many miracles. He says the little problems that you keep and hide become your secret sins because you did not choose to let them be removed for you. The little pro problems that you keep and hide become your secret sins because you did not choose to let them be removed for you. So this is another key thing in my programs is to work with the Holy Spirit 
to work with that higher self, the I am presence, to work with Jesus, the masters and the angels, to let these things be removed for us. It's not complicated. It is not difficult. It's the opposite. It is the opposite. It is simple and it's it's easy, but what is not easy for any of us is letting go of our attachments to the thoughts that cause the pain and suffering. It can be, and it can get a whole lot easier. That I'm so grateful for. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I wish we had more information about what happened with Paul, who was Saul on the road to Damascus. I I think of him often, and I wish for myself and others to have our Saul to Paul experience. So Saul was the persecutor, this really avid persecutor of the Christians, And on the road to Damascus, he had an encounter with the spirit of Jesus, who was deceased at that time. It's after the crucifixion. And he had a complete, uh, he he was blinded by the light. And the light of Jesus' spirit, and it totally transformed him. And he became Paul, the great proselytizer. I wish we knew more details about that. There's probably some mystical text I can find. Uh, because it, it, it is a curious thing to me. What, what was his experience? So the little problems that you keep and hide become your secret sins. This is why I now talk about how I used to feel like a secret sinner. Uh, at home, alone, self-medicating with alcohol, food, cigarettes, television, isolating, and self-medicating. I I would self-medicate with exercise, self-medicate with talking on the phone endlessly. Uh, For sure, I've self-medicated with work. And all kinds of things. Escape, escape, escape. Let me not feel my feelings. Let me be distracted uh, to the point where I'm just not interested in that anymore at all. And that is why I do my uh, challenge to end self-sabotage in January, which we'll be announcing soon. And um, it's part of the Masterful Living program. Because... We do exactly what he is saying here. We we keep and we hide our secret sins. They, they go from being little problems to secret sins. Why? Because we are not in a partnership with spirit and we did not choose to let them be removed for us. He says, and so they gather dust and grow like dust bunnies, until they cover everything that you perceive and leave you fair to no one, meaning leaving you attractive to no one. I'm going to read this whole thing. It's so good. It's so powerful. The little problems that you keep and hide become your secret sins because you did not choose to let them be removed for you. And so they gather dust and grow until they cover everything that you perceive and leave you fair to no one. Not one right do you believe you have. And bitterness with vengeance justified and mercy lost condemns you as unworthy of forgiveness. The unforgiven have no mercy to bestow upon another. That is why your sole responsibility must be to take forgiveness for yourself. Wow. So potent. Juicy juice. So... 
because we let the little problems turn into secret sins by trying to keep them hidden, right? I think of all the secret smokers, secret bingers, the people who secretly lust and secretly feel stupid and the ones who secretly feel like failure, all of this, and they keep it secret. They don't get counseling. They don't get help with it. And they believe the story that they're writing until it becomes a secret sin that needs to be hidden because if anybody sees it, they will dislike you, hate you, despise you, think you unworthy of love. You believe you're unworthy of love. This is me. This is my story. I believed that I was unworthy of love. And of course, I didn't matter how much anybody loved me. <laughs> that, that doesn't matter. I didn't feel worthy. And so I had to keep all my secret sins hidden. But there's another choice. Ha ha ha. There is another choice. And the other choice is to let them be removed for us. But not doing that, they gather dust and grow until they cover everything you perceive and leave you fair to no one. That was exactly how I felt. Not one right do you believe you have. Yeah. Meaning feeling unworthy, undeserving. And bitterness, right? We start to feel bitter, don't we? Bitterness. With vengeance justified and mercy lost, condemns you as unworthy of forgiveness. Unworthy even of forgiveness. We cannot forgive ourselves. Why? Because we've built up this whole story about how bad and wrong we are. And on a certain level, it feels unforgivable that we did this to ourselves. And we've built up the story of how bad and wrong we are. How evil we might even be. And we are so invested in it. How can we let it go? We've spent so many hours of our lives painting this portrait of ourselves. How could we possibly let it go? Oh my goodness. It is like the portrait of Dorian Gray. That's what I keep getting. I haven't thought of that in a very long time. So remember the portrait of Dorian Gray? Was that an Edgar Allan Poe story of uh, the the painting ages while the man does not? And in the painting, it becomes he looks hideous, but in the world, he still looks perfect. Yeah, we are kind of the opposite. We've painted this horrible, horrible portrait of ourselves, which we believe in. We are so invested in, and we hide it from the world. It's unbearable to think of, but we are so invested in it. And so self-forgiveness is the way out of that. And asking for help, let all of this be removed. Take these thoughts out of my mind so I never think them again. Yes. The, he says here, the unforgiven have no mercy to bestow upon another. That is why your sole responsibility must be to take forgiveness for yourself. That's it. Our sole responsibility is to forgive ourselves. If we just focus on that, the end of self-forgiveness will come. And it will come so quickly because it's like taking out the trash. You reach a point where there's just no more trash. There's only the trash that's generated for today. It's not this huge stockpile of trash anymore. If you take out all the trash, you just have oh, a little bit of trash each day. No big deal. Easy peasy. We don't have to make the trash that is happening every day uh, in our, let's say, even just if we think of trash in our household. If you have a house filled with trash, probably not going to feel good about yourself. And 
the trash is a symbol that represents how we feel about ourselves. But if you take it all out, you clean out all the trash, take some today and tomorrow and every day, you're dedicated to taking out some of the trash, ultimately you will get to the point where there's no more trash to take out except whatever you generate today. And then that's so manageable. And if you have a little bit of trash each day, that seems normal. It's not hideous. It's not screaming at you anymore. It's normal. Yeah, a little bit of trash. So that's where we are heading. Yes. 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 I am going to switch to another section in the course Chapter 3, Section 6, which is entitled Judgment and the Authority Problem. Right, The authority problem is, who is the authority in our awareness? Is it God or the ego? Is it the devil on your shoulder or the angel on the other shoulder? And in here, Paragraph 5, he says, When you feel tired, it is because you have judged yourself as capable of being tired. Whoa! When you laugh at someone, it is because you have judged him as unworthy. When you laugh at yourself, you must laugh at others, if only because you cannot tolerate the idea of being more unworthy than they are. So this is why the person who feels very unworthy is going to be the bully, the one who's making fun of others, so that, so completely me. That was so completely me. I'm going to say this again. When you laugh at someone, it is because you have judged him as unworthy. And when you laugh at yourself, you must laugh at others, if only because you cannot tolerate the idea of being more unworthy than they are. All this makes you feel tired because it is essentially disheartening. You are not really capable of being tired, but you are very capable of wearying yourself. The strain of constant judgment is virtually intolerable. It is curious that an ability so debilitating would be so deeply cherished, yet If you wish to be the author of reality, you will insist on holding on to the judgment. You will also regard judgment with fear, believing that it will someday be used against you. This belief can exist only to the extent that you believe in the efficacy of judgment as a weapon of defense for your own authority. So, in here, he is telling us that we are making up these judgments, we hold them against ourselves, we project them out onto others, and this is what is exhausting. I have told the story many times, I'll tell it again since it's Thanksgiving week, that I used to go and visit my brother's family, or even my parents, and I would judge and judge and judge and judge and judge and after a couple of days I just think ah I can't stand it here I don't like it here but it wasn't that it was my judgments it was my complaints it was the constant attacking why was I constantly attacking because that was my defense that was my defense from feeling unworthy. And so remember how we've we've talked about this uh, many times that in the Course, uh, Jesus tells us that in our defenselessness, our safety lies. But if we are defending ourselves, what's really going on is we have a secret desire to attack. And we are pretending that we are defending ourselves. No, in our safety, in our defenselessness, 
our safety lies. So if we start to defend ourselves in any way, shape, or form, we must practice remembering this. Now he goes on to say here, very beautifully, God offers only mercy. Your words should reflect only mercy, because that is what you have received, and that is what you should give. So it's another way of saying, teach only love, for that is what you are. Yes. Yes, yes. Ah, so good. So good, so good. All right. Hey, I'm doing this uh, worthiness workshop on Sunday, November 29th. It's free. Of course, it's on Zoom. (laughs) Come and join me. Come and join me. And I'm also going to be the speaker this Sunday at Sundays with Spirit. I really wish to do that after the Thanksgiving holiday. It will also be the day after my birthday. So come and join me. Right now, you are listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio, where we're living the love, we're walking the talk, and I'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. And we're back. I'm so glad you came back. Yay. (laughs) All right. So uh, actually, before I begin again, one of the things I'd like to do is take a moment and say thank you to all the people who have ever written a review Your reviews help so much. All the podcast platforms have algorithms that they show the podcasts that are have the most reviews to more people because it's a clear indication that there's something of value there. So you're indicating that through your reviews just means that more people will have the awareness of the podcast. And if that helps somebody to live a happier life and to practice true forgiveness, that's good karma for you. And I thank you for contributing to that. We are lifting each other up in this way. And I also just would like to remind everybody that at livingacourseofmiracles.com, you can find a lot of the transcripts. We're taking a pause on the transcripts right this minute. and uh, But we have many, many hundreds of transcripts of these episodes, if that's helpful to you. Also, on my YouTube channel, which is Jennifer H. Hadley. If you can't find me with Jennifer Hadley, look for Jennifer H. Hadley at Instagram and uh, Twitter, all the social media outlets. And on YouTube, we have many episodes, I don't know how many actually, more than 100 on video so that you can listen. And for those who find it helpful, you can see the closed captioning. So one of the reasons we did this is for folks who are deaf They can still read the transcripts. They can um, see the, um, or if they're hard of hearing, they can see the words on the screen there. And also for people for whom English is not a first language, they can, uh, it can help them with the translation. So all of that, uh, we are providing as much as we can afford to provide. And your donations make that possible. So good on you to the donators. Thank you. Yay, donators. We love and appreciate you. And we feel loved and appreciated by you. So thank you for taking the time to donate. One of the easiest ways to do that is to sign up for the text messages, acimtexts.com. And uh, there you can sign up for... Uh, one-time donation for as little as a dollar, and you can also sign up for any amount that you like and a recurring amount if you like. So lots of options at acimtext.com. You can also find that at livingacourseinmiracles.com. And, you know, we have a lot of resources at 
livingacourseofmiracles.com that are free for you. We have free classes. We have free support for study group leaders and those who would like to start a study group. We have, uh, uh, what else? I know we've got more stuff there, and I invite you to go and check it out. Oh, we have the map, the map of events around the world, and you can list your study group there. So important to me to support study groups. So I invite you to check out those resources, plus the A Course in Miracles app, complete with deluxe features, free, 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 free for smartphones, and we are glad to offer these things. So you can take A Course in Miracles with you, you can bookmark it, highlight it, uh, so many things, videos, on and on. When we are... Giving back, it helps us to feel more worthy, to accept more. The more I give, the more I have. Because the more I give, the more I open up to my having. It has been such a valuable lesson for me to realize that everything I give, I give to spirit. Everything I receive, I receive from spirit. There's no need to keep score because it's all spirit. That was a life-changing awareness for me. Everything I give, I give to spirit. Everything I receive, I receive from spirit. Yes, yes, yes. So let's take a look here for a moment in chapter 12, section 7, paragraph 13. And Jesus says, remember then that whenever you look without and react unfavorably to what you see, you have judged yourself unworthy and have condemned yourself to death. Whoa, whoa. Say what you really mean, Jesus. (laughs) I'm going to read this again. Remember that whenever you look without, in other words, whenever you look at the world and react unfavorably to what you see, you have judged yourself unworthy and have condemned yourself to death. Okay, so we are judging ourselves unworthy of heaven when we look out and react unfavorably. We judge ourselves unworthy of love when we react unfavorably. And when we're doing that, we've condemned ourselves to death because we've condemned ourselves to this experience of samsara, the repeating experience of human birth and death until we've worked out our false beliefs. So we judge ourselves unworthy when we look at the world unfavorably. So next time you're tempted to look at the world unfavorably, let us not condemn ourselves to death. He says, the death penalty is the ego's ultimate goal, for it fully believes that you are a criminal as deserving of death as God knows you are deserving of life. The death penalty never leaves the ego's mind, for that is what it always reserves for you in the end. Wanting to kill you is the final expression of its feeling for you. It lets you live, but to await death. It will torment you while you live, but its hatred is not satisfied until you die. For your destruction is the one end toward which it works and the only end with which it will be satisfied. So when we're ego identified, that is the mindset that is operating. It is like a virus in the mind. It is the matrix in the mind that is 100% self-destruction. This is why self-forgiveness is our function in this world. 
if we simply focus on recognizing there is nothing to forgive, this world is an illusion, we have done nothing wrong. Yes, we've made unloving choices, and we can learn from them. This is an illusion. That's what it's for. So, let us recognize that when we react unfavorably to what we see, we are condemning ourselves to death because we are judging ourselves as unworthy. Whenever we are attacking something in the world, it is a projection of our own sense of unworthiness, unlovableness. Now, another thing about this unworthiness is you and I might have different experiences of that unworthiness. We might have different expressions of it. And so, for instance, for me, I felt unworthy of love because I believed that there was something wrong with me. Somebody else might feel unworthy of love because they are bad. I did feel that I was fundamentally evil. I did. I really came to take that as something I was mulling over. Am I actually fundamentally evil? Is that what the problem is? Because feeling that there was something wrong with me, I wanted to label that problem. What is it that's wrong with me? Because if I can figure out what's wrong with me, there may be a hope of a cure. Maybe there's something I can do. But just before I popped through to (laughs) realizing, ah, now it's a total illusion. But right before then, it was dark. And in that darkness in my mind, I was seriously contemplating perhaps the reason why there's something so wrong with me is because I am fundamentally evil, fundamentally bad, fundamentally not good. Other people feel that they can never get it right, and that's why they're unworthy of love. So we have our little different flavors. This one's a little salty, this one's a little bitter, this one's a little sour. We have our little different permutations. But let's not kid ourselves. We've all got the same thing. And when one person rids themselves of it, everyone finds it easier. Just think, just think if you lived in the time of St. Francis in Assisi. Such dark times. Lately, people have been saying these are times of real darkness. It's challenging. There's no question. There's no question about that. And There's never been so much light in the world. Never been so much light in the world. Focus on the light. Let us focus on the light. The darkness would love for us to focus on it. Not that the darkness is is, um, a thing. But there are those who identify with the darkness. Let's say that. That would love for us to focus on it and make it more of a thing because then they think that would give them more power. But there's only one power, and it is the power of love in our heart. And that is the power that heals. That is the power that heals all sense of unworthiness. Course in Miracles teaches us to have, give all to all. To have, give all to all. This is also something that was very helpful to me in releasing a sense of poverty consciousness. Oh, I had such a poverty consciousness. And we can really heal that. Uh, Sometimes I I think I'd really like to do a program on that, and maybe I will have time in the spring. Gosh, I would love to do that. Yes, poverty consciousness is not about money. It is so not about money. No, it's about worthiness. Hey, did I mention I'm doing a, a undoing unworthiness class? Yes, back by popular demand. I did it last year. It's a three-part class. We do it on Zoom. 
and we're doing it the first Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday in December, that first weekend in December. Yes, we're not going to many holiday parties and doing lots of shopping and those things this year. We have more time to be contemplative, more time to do this healing practice work. And so I say, let's get her done. Let's do it. Let's get her done. Yes, we're coming to the darkest days of the year here in uh, the Northern Hemisphere. And let us be the light and bring the light and let go of the identification with darkness. Okay, I am now going to bring up a topic that is challenging. I have a very dear friend of mine, one of my my first prayer partner. We've been prayer partners for 23 years. And she, uh, Liz Racy, works in the... Uh, LA community with the youth there and it is a very challenging time uh, suicidal thoughts are up suicides are always a, a very intense challenge and many people who do take their own lives are actually studies show that when they interview people who attempted seriously attempted to take their life, that 10 minutes before, they weren't even thinking about it. It just snuck up on them, and then boom. They're, they they see somehow a logic to it. And in my experience of having my own experience of suicidal thoughts and and wishing to die, it was all about feeling convinced that it could not get any better. Now, I'd like to say this, that I have worked with thousands of people in my life. And what I know for a fact is that it not only can get better, it can get really good, really good. My my dear, dear friend, Mark Anthony Lord, who is a minister in Florida, wonderful teacher, of course, miracle student, uh, another one of my prayer partners for 20-some years. And uh, he told me a story, and he wrote about it in his book, The Seven Last Words, Seven Living Words, The Seven Living Words, Transform Your Life, with the seven last words of Jesus. And uh, he's a wonderful teacher. And he talked about, he told me the story that he also put in this book. He told me the story that when he was in his early 40s, he was sitting in meditation and he suddenly was transported to his dorm room in college. And he was faced with his self from the 20 years prior when he was feeling suicidal. Now, when he was in his 20s, he was meditating in his dorm room and he was visited by his older self. So he had both sides of the experience. Course of Miracles tells us we are just reviewing what has already gone by so I hear stories like this, and I totally believe him. Of course I do. And uh, we go, hmm, I know I used to feel that all the time when I was younger. I had constant experience of deja vu and a sense of, this is so surreal. And uh, it's been challenging for me in my lifetime to ground myself to this world uh, and just be really present here. Anyway... In his story, uh, when he was the younger suicidal self, his older self appeared to him and said, hang in there. You will be so glad you did. It gets so much better. It gets so, so, so much better. You are going to really enjoy life. You do not want to miss this. Don't give up. So he had that experience in his dorm room 
with his older self visiting him. And then when he got that to that age, he was meditating one day and he was brought to his younger self. So why not call upon the wisdom of your older self? Even if you're 80 years old, there's an older you. Call upon the wisdom of the older self. Call upon the wisdom of the I am presence. Remember how in the first half of this uh, show, this episode, this this broadcast, uh, I was saying, uh, ask, ask, ask for it to be removed. Ask, ask, ask for it to be removed. You You can't imagine if we just ask for the causes of our suffering to be removed. We don't ask for something to be brought to us to make us happy. No, the teaching is let us release our attachment to the things that block our happiness, which we have made up so that we can experience everything being added unto us. We have to first clear the altar. Of course, Miracle says the altar's in our heart. We have to clear the altar of the attachment to unworthiness. And it is very much tied up in our giving ourselves permission to attack other people. When we engage in self-attack and attacking other people, we're attacking God. We are definitely going to feel unworthy as a result. We're going to feel afraid as a result. We're going to look outside ourselves for the sources of happiness and we are not going to find them. We're going to get dejected and depressed. We're going to feel that we're deprived of happiness. And we're going to start to feel suicidal because we're in a cycle that we can't seem to get out of. And the reason we can't seem to get out of it is because we're relying upon our own ability. And we need to partner up in order to move into the quantum field of healing and wholeness. So one way to lift our vibration is gratitude. Another way to lift our vibration is to extend compassion. Another way to lift our vibration is simply to be willing to be patient, to be kind, to be a little bit generous of heart even. These little things become the little cracks in the sidewalk that the blade of grass can find its way through, right? That spirit can find its way through and then boom, the whole thing breaks up because spirit cannot fail. So we put spirit in charge of undoing our unworthiness and then we are having a breakthrough. Then we're having miraculous transformation. We are entitled to miracles. So let us hold for all the people of this world right now are feeling suicidal. It's very, very challenging for many people to be home alone a lot of the time. This is precisely why I started doing the Sundays with Spirit is because I could feel, OMG, there's a lot of people who are home alone. And I remember that first Sunday or two that we did it, I'd say, who's home alone in quarantine? And almost everybody raised their hands like, yeah, if you can't have people over, you can't go to other people's houses. You got to find ways to connect. Right, get yourself a Zoom account. Get on Zoom. Uh, we're we're Zooming all the time. I've got my free class on Sunday. You can spend half the day with me at least. <laughs> I've got my worthiness workshop. I've got Sundays with Spirit. Boom! We're going to have a good time on Sunday, and we will. I guarantee it. We're going to have a good time. Absolutely, and. If you also, I encourage you, consider joining me in Masterful Living this coming year. It's extraordinary what people are doing, the consciousness shifts, the awakening, and the the gratitude that people have. And you can have that too. You are entitled to miracles. So if it's right for you, come and join us in Masterful Living. Registration is open now. So the 
Undoing Unworthiness three-part class that's coming up in December. That's a paid class, but it's free for anyone who, who signs up for Masterful Living right now, as is my New Year's Reboot class, as is my self-sabotage challenge, and my uh, Stop Playing Small retreat was so successful this year. I'm doing it again in January, and I'm giving the folks of Masterful Living $500 off to inspire them to come and join. So lots of good opportunities if you feel called to it. And still, the most important thing is for us to do our self-forgiveness, self-forgiveness, self-forgiveness. That is the way out of difficulty, through the self-forgiveness. So when we are looking at the world and reacting unfavorably, as Jesus was just telling us in chapter 12, section 7, Paragraph 13, when we are reacting unfavorably to the world and to what we see, we it is evidence that we've judged ourselves unworthy. So if you are feeling very critical of the world this this time, right now, and you're, it could be critical of particular people, it could be critical of uh, situations and circumstances, Please allow yourself to understand that that judgment and that criticism is self-judgment, self-criticism projected outward. There are many things in the world I do not like, but I'm not interested in judging them. I do find I get triggered into judgments, and there's my spiritual practice bringing me back to the power of love in my life. Because I am not interested in feeling unworthy. I have too many wonderful things to do to waste my energy and my life force in feeling unworthy. And I say the same is true for you. If you don't believe me, come to my worthiness workshop on Sunday. We'll talk. Let's take that breath of love and gratitude and be so grateful that we can heal our life and our heart and our mind by giving the Holy Spirit the charge to get her done. We are grateful to let it happen We share the benefits with everyone. We let it be, and so it is. Amen. Have a great rest of your week. Mwah.